Buenos días, buenos tardes, and buenas noches. What up to my overachiever listeners, man? How's everyone doing this week? It's a beautiful day in the streets of Washington, D.C. The weather is beautiful. People are outside humming tunes. People about to get their fuck on. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I feel like this weather is just very exciting. Um, what a what what a week it's been already. Uh, today is Thursday. I'm chilling chilling in my house, and I wanted to drop another solo episode. I've been trying to be more consistent with the episodes, and I think I've been doing a pretty good job, if you ask me, the past couple weeks. Um, hopefully, I can keep this momentum going for myself. Uh, it's audition week, man. Audition week in Washington D.C. for the for the comedy scene. This is uh, there's a lot going on. Um, there is a comedy festival, uh, the Underground Comedy Fest, produced by Sean Joyce, who we had on the podcast a few a few weeks ago. It's the biggest comedy festival in D.C. It's one. Of, it's a very big comedy festival. I think I'd say in the country at this point, um, just on the based on how many comics they have and the venues and tickets sold and whatnot. And uh, on this particular festival, uh, we have an audition for Comedy Central, the Up Next Showcase. And uh, if you're selected to go, you if you get selected, you get to go to Cluster Fest in San Francisco. It's a Comedy Central produced comedy festival with comedians like Trevor Noah, Hassan Minaj, and other famous comedians like that. So they're in town. And um, not only that, but there's also Montreal Just for Laughs auditions on Saturday, which for those who aren't familiar with that one, that's another big comedy festival that um, that takes place in Montreal. And if you're selected, that's usually where comedians go to get management and agents and sometimes in some cases in the past development deals with television networks for sitcoms and whatnot. Um, so, you know, all that was happening uh, this week I just did the Comedy Central audition last night. Uh, it was uh, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna basically spend some time talking about that. But you know, if you're listening, you probably been you know you probably are aware of what I've been up to the past couple years. You know, and it's uh there's a lot been going on, man. It's all kind of been leading to like I don't want to say these auditions because these auditions are just a small portion of like what's happening. But if you're not familiar with the way things are headed in comedy or the history of you know how to how to make it how to make it in comedy as far as career goes i'll give you guys some background insight you know just a little his, historical context on what's happening just uh in the, in the in the like uh in the ethos i don't know if that's the right word how to describe it but uh, well, let's take it back to the 70s and early 80s back in the 70s and early 80s uh there was a guy by the name of Johnny Carson right Johnny Carson had the biggest uh, late night talk show where he would have comedians on and kind of like a David Letterman, Jay Leno, or I guess today's, uh, what do you call it? Stephen Colbert type of, he was like the king. And when people, when comedians would go on and do their five minute performance on the show, like we're talking 20, 30 million people would watch. And literally the next day that comedian's famous. When I'm saying famous, I'm talking about they're giving this guy a TV show like the next week type shit. So that was pretty much the formula of making it big back in the 70s and early 80s when Johnny Carson was on the TV. 
And uh, that's how a lot of got, people got put on. And that pretty much lasted to the early 80s. Fast forward to the early 90s. You guys got like uh, you got guys like David Letterman and Jay Leno, you know. So uh, once Carson went away, then Letterman and Leno came and um, basically those viewerships got split. So then, you know, going on Letterman or Le uh, Leno, that was a good look. You know, you could probably uh, buy a single family house, you know, after doing that joint. Work the road, do some comedy clubs. It was a good look. Then came along HBO. You get an HBO special, you know. Dave Chappelle dropped some specials, and uh, that joint, you know, that, that that helped his career a lot. That was the 90s, right? That's pretty much how you made it. That's how you paid the bills. Fast forward to the late 90s. You got Comedy Central. Comedy Central got in the game. They they wanted to, They wanted their taste. They were like, we're going to take, we're going to get some of this joke money too. So they got in there, started dropping some comedy specials and they became like the go-to plug for comedy specials and comedy programming. You know, you guys might remember the Chappelle show was popping, you know, you got a bunch of uh, dope ass shows, South Park, uh, not really a stand-up show, but you know, just like overall, that's where like people would go for like comedy shit, right? So that was like the, now we're into the 2000s and basically Comedy Central's been, you know, uh, a pretty big force in the comedy world. I'd say up until Netflix came along, you know, the past couple of years and they started blowing them out the water, right? With the, uh, with the 20, $30 million specials from Chappelle and Bill Burr and Louis CK prior to the Dick scandal, you know, uh, and I think uh, I've kind of been talking about it a little bit, but like the streaming shit, that's been, that's the wave, you know, fast forward to 2019, seems like podcasts and the YouTube is where people are starting to get their, uh, their audience. You know, you go on Joe Rogan, he's like the Johnny Carson of 2019. That's going to put you on, you know, shout out to Andrew Schultz who just did the Joe Rogan podcast, you know? So these are all things that go through my mind. It's like, yo, how do I get a single family house? You know, how do I buy a two bedroom, three bedroom house in, uh, in the streets of Maryland suburbs? And I was thinking, I was like, yo, I don't know if this comedy central audition is going, you know, <laughs> well, you know, is he going to do it? These are what I was thinking. Right. So, you know, these are all the, uh, the thoughts leading up to this uh, audition last night. Because you get selected to go on this festival. And I guess what happens is you're on a lineup with a lot of other comedians from across the country. You meet them. You network. To be honest, a lot of them have already been on the Overachiever show the past few years. You know, I know a lot of the guys who aren't going to be already. Like, they're already booked to be on Clusterfest 2019. Shout out to all the guys who are on it. And, uh, yeah, man, that shit is stressful, dog. I, I try to try to play it cool like that shit wasn't gonna phase me like the past couple weeks and then it got to like i don't know this past monday you know we're a couple days away people start dropping comedy central audition flyers everywhere on, on the gram and uh after a while man that shit that shit gets in your head a little bit it's hard not to it's hard to be like yeah i don't really care i don't really care about opportunities and things that 
that further my my career <laughs> i wish i could be like super super zen about it but uh yeah now people were definitely um dropping a, a lot of emotional instagram posts about it you know but for a lot of people it was their first time auditioning for comedy central i got to do it last last year so you know i i kind of had a uh I've been doing, I've done a couple auditions, you know, and some of them I've, I've even gotten some stuff off of it. Like the laugh tracks audition, I, I got that. And then that led to, you know, going to LA to film that TV episode. So that was a cool, that was a good thing. So the Comedy Central audition last night, how did it go? Mm, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, I think it went very well. <laughs> I think so. It felt good, you know. I was prior to getting on stage, uh, I was chilling like uh, in the little walkway leading up to the stage, watching the comic before me. And um, Benji, uh, my homie Benji, who was on the last episode, he was a uh, he went up like two before me, and he saw me getting ready to go on stage, and he he was trying to like pump me up. He's like woo 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 woo, and then like uh, I had my headphones in, but I took them out. And I, I, I don't know why, but I, I just shot, I like, kind of like said it pretty loud. I was like, yeah, man, I'm about to put my comedy dick in them. And I said it like louder than I thought I was going to say it. Cause I had my headphones in and everyone just turned and looked at me and I was like, uh, consensually, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but now nah, I, I was ready, man. I've been, you know, the comedy part, I've been doing this shit for, for a minute is more about, um, making sure like I, uh, I got enough, like sleep and I made sure I ate some food and I exercised because that's the type of thing that if I don't do sometimes that shit does throw me off if I'm not like if I'm hungry that definitely affects my, my my performance so I got some tacos before and I ate sushi earlier and I've been like going to the boxing gym probably like three times in the past three days um and uh yeah man got on stage and uh immediately called out the crowd for being a shitty audience <laughs> and uh that made them like kind of shape up i i probably uh i haven't listened to the uh my audio it's on my phone but um i'll probably just have it at the end of this episode so y'all can just you know check it out and see like you know what the energy was like and uh, you can kind of hear what material i chose to do Cause when they decide, when they select you to be on these type of auditions, they like send out an email and they say kind of stuff like, uh, you know, don't, uh, first off, it's like a five to six minute set, right? They say, uh, don't do crowd work. They want to see material, which makes sense completely. You know what I mean? To do crowd work would be weird, but like my style is very conversational. I like talking. Like, I mean, the way I like to perform is like almost like I'm having a conversation with the audience. So sometimes I'll like open up with like a little question or I'll talk to get kind of like transitioning into the talking mode. So I, that's why I usually talk shit to the audience to see where they're at, you know, see where their mind's at, you know, asking questions, a couple of preguntas. So, um, that's where my, like, it was like a very, uh, anxiety driven night I mean, it was just like uh just so happy it's over man you know i was uh managing my expectations you know what i mean because uh it's really just based it's hard to know exactly how these industry 
people decide but uh all you can do is like try to um select what jokes you think they're gonna fuck with you know a lot of times comics they like uh <laughs> they talk we talk amongst each other like yeah i heard that they uh they like uh when you talk about yourself tell your they they want to see a story you know so you gotta tell stories and another guy's like i heard that they they like you know when you talk about uh your 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 personality and it's like all right dude you don't know what the fuck you just did you just make that up like yeah and it's like, all right and then so everyone has their own ideas of what they like <laughs> or what they think they like so i decided to do my uh my ice cream truck joke cuz i feel like that kind of like i don't know it pretty much sums up where i'm at in my life as far as how i grew up so i decided to uh to throw that joint on there and i even like extended the story more than usual so now there's like a real ending to it um which is crazy because i'm actually now that it's the weather's like really warm now i gotta go back and sell ice cream it's fucking bullshit man (laughs) i gotta fucking help out my dad who's actually uh still in iran at the moment so i gotta like i'm taking phone calls for uh like summer camps and family picnics like and I got a call yesterday by a lady for like um it was like a summer camp in DC and there she was giving me the details and by the end of the convo she was like are you are you a comedian by any chance and I was like actually yes I am <laughs> and she's like yeah I saw you on YouTube talking about the ice cream truck I wasn't sure if it was gonna be you or not I was like yep it's me and she's like all right well we want uh yeah be there by 2 p.m. and not uh, talk to you later I'm like god damn it so. That's how that goes sometimes when you get recognized. I've been getting recognized a lot more, man, and it's pissing off all my friends. <laughs> it's so funny, man. I've been on a hot streak where I go pull up to, like, D.C., like, local spots, and everyone's like, oh, you're the comedian. It wasn't until, like, uh, this past week where I got humbled. I was at an open mic on Tuesday at Beer Baron, and um, this dude is, like, a, this good-looking white white dude with, like, long blonde hair came up, like, was walking um, past me and a few other comics. And uh, he like stopped and turned and looked at me and he started pointing at me. Right. <laughs> and then everyone's like, kind of like staring like what, what, why? And then, and he's just like pointing at me and I was like, what's up, man? He's like, do I know you? And I was like, it's possible. I mean, you know, you might've seen me on YouTube or something. He's like, no, 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 no. Do you work at mellow mushroom? And I was like, nah, it's like, so you're not Doug? I'm like, nah, dog, I'm not Doug. And then everyone just started, all the com- comics started laughing at me. I was like, yep, I deserve that. <laughs> I definitely deserve that. Uh, not that popping. But no, nah, it was it was, a, it was a humbling experience. So now I don't assume people have watched my special on YouTube, which is doing great. Doing great. Numbers are up. Numbers are up. So yeah, did the uh, Comedy Central audition, got that shit out the way. So now we can focus on the Montreal just for laughs. Uh, and then when that one's over, we're going to have a big party by uh, sleeping for two days straight. <laughs> All right. Um, today is March 28th. It is my brother's birthday. Uh, shout out to my older brother. His name is uh, Bijan. Bijan Amini. But because we grew up in uh, Silver Spring, people called him Bijan. So uh, shout out to my brother Bijan. Uh, yeah, man, I've known him my whole life. What a great guy. 
He's turning 36. And I just happened to, yeah, man, I got a lot of new stories about him. I'm telling on stage, man. He's a, he's a, he's a good dude, man. Guy's got a good heart. Um, He's gone through a lot of phases in his life. You know, he's, four, I think, four or five years older than me. And uh, I remember... I remember when we were younger, moving to our new, like a new neighborhood in Silver Spring. Uh, my brother was probably like 12. I was probably about like eight. And um, the kids in the neighborhood didn't know him and they would make fun of him a lot because he, because he just looked, <clears throat> he just looked different. You know, he just looked like, he didn't look like the other kids. Like at the time, the neighborhood was like split between, say, like 50% white, 50% black. White kids were like, they didn't understand because we were like, uh, Iranian and Bolivian so he kind of had this like weird look they call him George Murison and uh he <laughs> George Murison was a uh he was a center for the Washington Bullets back in the day he was like seven foot seven had some big ears and a big nose brother didn't like that and he got he got punked a lot he got bullied a lot it wasn't until they started like bullying him to the point where he couldn't take it no more and he started to get into some fights to the point where like uh you know he, he started you know winning the fights so a lot of the kids would gang up on him be two on one three on one i remember one day uh we were coming home from school and um he got jumped it was like three kids on one and i i'll never forget because i was hiding behind a bush because i was scared i was eight years old i wish i could help i I still regret it to this day and uh my brother fought most of them off he fought i think he fought two of them off but then the last kid i think got the best of them and like uh punched them pretty bad and like my brother was on the floor and but he fought all the way to the last guy and then the last guy got the best of them. But I always remembered one thing about my brother, man. He always fought to the end. Had a lot of heart, you know what I mean? A lot of corazón. And that's what I appreciated, you know? That's what I appreciated the most about uh, my brother was like, you know, he always had a lot of heart, you know, to this day. You know, it's crazy. Because I've seen him do a lot, man. I've seen him, you know, uh, get in a lot of trouble, you know, a lot of... uh ice cream sandwiches had to be sold to to pay for his legal fees you know if you know what i mean you know trouble with the law when i was in high school um he got caught in uh upstate new york you know trying to uh trying to uh move some move some product uh outside of state lines you know he got caught up in this city that borders canada called Saranic Lake. He got pulled over in a rental car with him and his black homie. Um, the reason I bring that up is because when you're in a rental car with a black dude in upstate New York, uh, you know, cops are going to pull you over, dog. <laughs> and they they, uh, they illegally searched my brother's trunk. They found like 10 pounds of some, uh, of some Canada's finest. And um, yeah, he got hand up and he got, he got, hit with a, a, a felony charge, you know, six years in fel- uh, federal federal jail. Called my pops, and my pops had to pull up, drive, I think, like 10 hours, you know, uh, to bail him out. I think I went with my dad that day. It was a, it was a, it was a you know, crazy situation because, you know, you know, as you guys might know, my dad drives an ice cream truck. So, you know, a lot of that money that my dad was saved up for that summer had to go towards that lawyer that year. And that was a tough year, man. We didn't get no new clothes. Thanks to my brother, you know, getting caught in a rental car in upstate New York like an idiot. <laughs> but he's changed a lot, man. He's not the same guy. 
You know, he don't get he don't get any more fights. He don't be moving weight. He's soft as shit and works at a bank. Thank God I couldn't be more proud that he became a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, man. It's crazy. It's crazy to see the guy who used to bully you and then all of a sudden became soft as shit wearing fanny packs, you know? Sometimes I wanna I wanna test him. If he still got it in him. The other day I went up to him, I was like, yo, what's up? I said, What's up, little bitch? And he just looked at me, he was like, I know you are, but what am I? I was like, ah, he still got it. <laughs> that shit hurt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, now he's he's got two little little babies, and you know, he's he's a good father. But uh, I'm concerned about my my little nephews and nieces. You know, the way they're being raised, they're being raised soft. You know, they're not being raised the way we were raised. We were raised to be tough. You know, karate class at the age of five. My dad put me in karate class. And I got I got karate chopped every day. Didn't matter if I cried. I had to go back, you know. I got my black belt at the age of 10. Got my ass kicked. But it didn't matter because my dad was like, this is how we, you learn to not cry. And I still cried. So I don't know if that really worked out in the end, but that's what happened. So, you know, I, I see my nephews from time to time. Not as much as I should, but... It's crazy because now they're growing up in the suburbs of Bethesda, Maryland, like a very affluent neighborhood. And it's like they're not really going to have any struggles, man. So I I, I felt like I got to take it upon myself to be a little racist towards them, you know, trying to toughen them up a little bit, you know, make sure they have some character. Because, you know, who, who better to give them give them some tough love than the person who loves them the most? Their uncle. Right. So, you know, I. uh only because I think back to my my childhood and I remember when I was coming up, my nickname for a long time was uh was Osama bin Martin. <laughs> and those were my best friends. A lot of times people were like, you know, they might get the wrong feeling, but sometimes it's all about intention. It's all about what how people say the nickname. You know, if someone's like Osama bin Martin, like yo, that's racist. But if someone's like, Hey yo, Osama bin Martin, you trying to go play ball? I'm like, yeah, guys, thanks for thinking of me. You know what I mean? That's called inclusion. <laughs> That's positive racism. So, you know, I was at this at my nephew's birthday and and I was like, I was thinking like, you know, how can I make him tough? You know, and I was doing a little bit of the Asian accent, you know, trying to get him prepared for what it could be like on the on the basketball court in his 20s, you know, because when he pulls up and tries to hit a jump shot and he misses, his teammate, his teammates might say some fucked up things to him. You know what I mean? Because they're angry. You know, not out of like racism, but they just won't say some shit. So I was telling my nephew, I pulled him to the side. I was like, "Hey, yo, listen, Leo. You know, I might say some things from time to time that are really mean. You know, and some of it might be racist. You know, I just want you to know it's because I love you and I want you to be prepared for life." And he didn't say nothing mainly because he's still three years old. But I feel like we had a connection. You know what I mean? I feel like he looked at me and he's like. I appreciate you, uncle. Now pass me the juice. <laughs> That's what I feel inside, you know. But uh, you know, those are those are just like some some family uh family stories for today's episode. I just wanted to say hi to you guys. Um I'm gonna drop another episode. I wanted to start uploading uh videos on YouTube telling more stories. So uh, I'll I'll put my Comedy Central um, audition set 
on the end of this episode y'all could take a look and if you like it hit me up um i promised a, a podcast listener i was going to tell more film stories because i forgot that i had a bunch of stories from back in the day when i used to live in la i used to intern for quentin tarantino's production company and um and i i interned for ben stiller's company and i forgot that i have a bunch of stories about that so that'll be for the next one guys this week has just been too crazy and hectic and i just wanted to keep up with uh with the work and make sure i shout out my brother for his uh you know his birthday i you know i thought it would be nice to just kind of like reflect on some old stories because sometimes you know i forget these stories <laughs> sometimes i'll be driving i'm like oh i forgot that even happened son he did get locked up in saranic lake so that's what i was thinking i was like man i'm about it as well just get these uh get these stories out into the universe and then i can you know try to see if i can find a way to make some of it funny on stage otherwise you know it's gonna be a long time before i get some new material so hopefully you guys enjoy this story and uh let me know what you think about the comedy central you know audition i i don't want to listen to it because i you know i already did it last night it felt good if i keep listening to it it's going to probably annoy me just hearing you know my voice over and over tell the same fucking you know you guys know the deal all right man i hope you guys all enjoy your day uh real quick before you stop listening tickets are still available for my april 10th show at the dc improv uh, if you want tickets, you could just go to the dcimprov.com or the overachieversdc.com and just s- click the Overachievers show with Martin Amini, and then tickets are on, on the website. Um, it's going to be a great show. I think you guys have known. All the shows are great, but this one, we got uh, three really, 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 really good comedians. Um, Rob Hayes, who's been on Jimmy Fallon, Lafayette Wright, who's been on Comedy Central, and Amina Amani, who's one of the hosts of the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn one of the top shows in the country. You guys are, you know, you guys will love it. All right, y'all. Uh, until the next episode, I will see you guys soon. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. Peace. Love him. Guys, start making some noise for Martin Amini. Woo! What's poppin'? <laughs> Hell yeah. Good energy, guys. <laughs> Way to take this one off, huh? You guys sound depressed as fuck, huh? <laughs> Good audition energy, guys. I really, you brought your A-game today, huh? You guys really showed up for the occasion. Well, I'm happy to be here. Uh, both my parents uh, immigrated this country 38 years ago so they could pursue their dreams and hopefully give an opportunity to pursue my dreams. But if they would have known, I would have ended up in this basement <laughs> talking to 40 people about my feelings and they're like, fuck your dreams, man. We should have stayed in Bolivia, you know what I mean? But I'm lucky though, my parents are very supportive of me. They, uh, you know, most immigrant parents, they don't really support their kids doing comedy. My parents support me mainly because before I got into comedy, I was a drug dealer. So, <laughs> when I told them I'm gonna do stand up comedy, they're like, finally. <laughs> He's getting his life together. <laughs> Go ahead and tell your dick jokes, son. I'm like, thank you, mama. <laughs> Sometimes I reflect on what I told my parents there was a young drug dealer, man. I remember when I was in ninth grade, I got caught dealing weed. My mom was devastated. She didn't know what to do. So she transferred to a rich private school, thinking I was gonna help the situation. But in reality, she gave me a promotion. <laughs> Shout out to the guys of Maryland, I'm out here. <laughs> I 
I'm grateful for my family, man. I'm very grateful. I don't act like I'm complaining about it. You know, they're a great family. They all follow me on Instagram. You know? <laughs> I think it's important to have at least four people that like you, like on Instagram, that likes all your posts. I think it's very important. There's nothing worse than posting something on Instagram and getting less than four likes. Like that shit, that shit hurts your spirit. <laughs> That's why, like, whenever my posts are struggling on Instagram, my dad's like, "Don't worry, son. I got you her back." <laughs> like, 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 like. like. <laughs> The only time it gets really uncomfortable is when my father wants to comment on my posts. Like, he's super foreign. Like, he doesn't know how to be supportive online. So, like, the last time I posted something, he was like, Who's this good looking guy? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All my friends commented, be like, Yeah, Martin, who's this good looking guy? <laughs> I had to hit him up. I'm like, Yo, Dad, you can't write shit like that, bro. That shit is public, huh? If you wanna put a heart emoji, make that shit blue, bro. <laughs> You know what I mean? Don't put no red hearts, put blue hearts. He's like, what's wrong with the red heart emoji? I'm like, it looks like you're trying to fuck me, bro. He's like, what? I don't want to fuck you. I want to help you. You had two likes. You're nothing without me. I could tell he was in his feelings because the next time he wrote, who's this asshole? Can you come in? God, you put a blue heart, son. Sensitive, man. <laughs> but that's a good dude, man. He's a great guy. He uh, he owns and operates eight ice cream trucks in Potomac, Maryland. You know? We got the streets on lock. <laughs> Don't come to Potomac. We'll fuck you up. <laughs> My father's like the Avon Barstow of ice cream truck drivers, for real. Like I grew up watching him beef with their ice cream truck drivers. Like it had turf wars growing up. I, I learned that when I was 10 years old. I went to work with him on the ice cream truck and I saw a baseball bat hidden behind the freezer with blood on it. I was like, yo, I've never seen him play baseball in my life. And I had to ask him, like, yo, dad, why you, why you got a baseball bat? He's like, yo, sometimes shit goes down. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew he won every fight. <laughs> Fast forward to now, he's 65 years old now, and now there's this growing expectation of me to take on my father's vendettas with ice cream truck drivers. It's fucked up. Because currently, I got a beef with the hot dog vendor in Rockville, Maryland. His name is Mo. I call him bitch-ass Mo. <laughs> it's an ongoing beef. It goes back to last spring of 2018, man. It was a warm, sunny day. Perfect for snow cones. I pulled up to one of my hot spots in Rockville, Julius West Middle School. And I knew she was going to be a problem because Mo pulled up. And it was a, it was a specific day because Mo pulled up. And I noticed on this particular day, he added a snow cone machine to his cart. That's right. Therefore, breaking our alliance. I was like, yo, what the fuck, Mo? You selling snow cones now? He's like, yeah, we're going to problem. I'm like, are you fucking right? We're going to problem. I couldn't say that because there's little kids around. So what I really said was, I'm going to call my dad. And all the kids are going, Gotta call his dad. So I get my dad on the phone. He's at home taking a nap. I'm like, yo, dad, you better get down here before I fuck up, mom. He's like, what? You want to fuck, mom? I'm like, no, man. He's selling snow cones now. He's like, I'm gonna fuck him too. I'm like, no, he's fucking no, dad. Just pull up and fuck your eyebrows. So now my dad pulls up an ice cream truck. And he's got eight other ice cream trucks with him. Because all, all my uncles, they drive ice cream trucks. You know, they're angry as shit, man. Playing the music all loud. The worst song to play when you want to fight another man. You want to hear some gangster music, not some diddy ding shit. 
So now they're surrounding Mo. Diddy ding ding ding. Mo doesn't know what to do. He's shook. So now he calls the cops. So now it's two cop cars. It's nine ice cream trucks. It looks like a Wu Tang Clan. These are gonna pop off. Kids are instigating. My father's stretching, getting ready to fight Mo. I said, like, yo, Dad, you can't fight Mo. You're 65 years old. He's like, you're right. You gotta fight Mo. Like, what? I don't want to fight Mo. And before anything was gonna happen, the cops intervened. They're like, what the fuck's going on? They noticed that Mo didn't have a permit to sell snow cones on that day. Thank God. So I did what any good millennial would do in that situation. I filed a complaint with the city. And now Mo can't sell snow cones and rifle for the next 18 months. Fuck, bitch ass Mo. Thank you guys for being a part of the internet. Thank you guys. Thank you.